Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family, with more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. And today, it's an extra special day here at Dodgers Nation because we are joined by Dodgers All-Star Super Utility Man, a man who has never done anything wrong in his entire life, Chris Taylor joins the show. Chris, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's time for Dodger baseball. And this right play, Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Mookie Betts, Craig Jones, left field. Mookie Betts. We're going to make big signings. We're going to make impact trades. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. Now, Chris, first of all, I just want to congratulate you on the foundation. You and your wife, Mary Taylor, you're hosting your first annual Polar Plunge, benefiting your CT3 Foundation. It supports pediatric cancer patients. The event is taking place at the Manhattan Beach Pier. You got some of your Dodgers teammates out there. Just tell me about this event. Yeah, um, you know, very fortunate. A lot, a lot of my teammates who are going to be in town for Dodger Fest, I uh, convinced them to come out the next morning. They're, uh, they're, you know, helping me out a lot um, by by showing up. We got almost the whole team out there. We got guys like Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts coming to to support. So I think it's a great opportunity for for some of the Dodger fans to get out there and um, you know do something a little out of the box and maybe uh, jump in the ocean with the Dodger players. And Chris, you have given back so much. You and your wife, Mary, we could fill up a whole hour talking about your contributions, but what inspires you to use your platform to give back the way you do? Um, yeah, I think my inspiration, you know, the whole reason I started the CT3 Foundation was originally because one of my best childhood friends, um, you know, he passed away with um, cancer. And, you know, that's that was sort of the driving force for me to... Uh, help specifically kids with cancer. And then we've kind of branched out from there. We've, you know, through all the work we've done, we've worked with a lot of great organizations and we've met, um, you know, so many great kids. And that's sort of driven us to branch out and help other areas as well. And we got introduced to the Friendship Foundation this off season, and we're just blown away by the work they've done. Um, they're, they're building a beautiful friendship campus that should be done by the fall of uh, 2025, I believe, and um, you know, it basically focuses towards connecting people with special needs um, with friends and um, teaching them life skills that are going to help them in their lives after school. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, we're super excited to be able to help them out. Yeah, it's incredible. If you want some more information, go to CT3's Instagram, go to the bio, hit the link, but it's February 4th, 10 a.m. The Manhattan Beach Pier on Sunday. I'm going to probably be there. I might have to take the plunge. I'm not a big cold plunge guy, but I heard it's really great and it really helps you out. So I might have to join that. But I will say, I want to start here, Chris. I noticed that one of the sponsors, one of the presenting sponsors is Skechers. Of course, there's a link to Clayton Kershaw. I mean, maybe Clayton Kershaw, use your event to announce he's going to be back with the Dodgers. I mean, what do you say about that? 
I mean, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we all hope to have Kirsch back. We He's in a little uh, different scenario um, as far this offseason. You know, I don't think he's quite in a rush to to make his decision. I think he's enjoying his offseason. Um, he's not, as you know, he had surgery, so he's not available to pitch till the end of the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made his decision even as the season was going on. But, of course, you know, I think everybody wants him in Dodger Blue um, come October. And you encouraging guys like JT and Seager and Bellinger, you guys really built this foundation. I can't believe I looked at I me. Mean, it's your ninth year with the Dodgers. Feels like it was just yesterday that you started with this team. And Otani said one of the biggest reasons why he signed with this team was because it's a winning organization with how badly they wanted to win. How much pride do you take in being a part of that foundation? It really led to getting guys like Otani Yamamoto and just this winning tradition that you guys have built here in LA. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, best part of playing for the Dodgers is, you know, they're going to do everything they can to win each and every year. And, um, you know, we're very confident that, we have a championship winning team and we're going to be there um, when it's all said and done at the end of the year in October. Um, you know, to me, I, I look back at all my best memories and they're all in the postseason. You know, the, the regular season is great, but, um, you know, I, it, it means so much more when you're playing in October and everything's heightened. And, um, you know, I, I really, I truly believe um you know, there's no better feeling than winning games in October. And um, yeah, I'm just very thankful to be on an organization that is there each and every year. Yeah. And I love seeing you guys still connect you and belly and Smith going wine tasting. I see you guys on IG. So I expect you to go on wine tasting trips with Otani and Yamamoto after you guys win a couple world series. So that's going to be cool to see, but Chris, you have been a part of some of the most star studded teams really in baseball history in the last couple of seasons, but this off season, the Dodgers signed the most coveted superstar in baseball history. You sign Otani. You go out there and you sign a Yamamoto. You trade for Glass. Now you add Teoscar Hernandez. Are you comfortable in saying that this is the most talented Dodgers team heading into spring training that you've ever been a part of? It certainly seems that way. Um, you know, I think it's definitely the most excitement for any year. Um, of course, when you you sign all um, players of that caliber. Um, everyone's going to be excited and everyone's going to be gunning for you at the same time. So, um, you know, I, I think we will embrace that for sure. And, um, you know, I think the players are just as excited as the fans are and we're ready to get going. Yeah, Chris, I'm glad you brought that up. You said teams would be gunning for you. Look, you're used to that, right? You're the Dodgers, right? You're the team where when you're on the road, there's more fans in the stands, right? You always have that bullseye on you, but there's this narrative out there. Oh, what the Dodgers have done, it's bad for baseball, right? Adding over a billion dollars in commitments with Otani and Yamamoto. And you had your old teammate, the great Ross Stripling, saying the Dodgers have gone into full villain mode. What's your reaction to stuff like that? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad for baseball by any means to, you know, get, you know, some of the best players in baseball on the Dodgers, one of the most popular teams in baseball, um, whether you love us or hate us, um, you know, I think you enjoy watching us on TV and, uh, you know, we're just adding to that with guys like Otani and Yamamoto and glass now and all these um, high caliber players. So um, no, I don't think it's, it's bad for baseball at all. 
Couldn't agree more. I've been saying that you're not the villains. You're the heroes of baseball because you're going to take Otani, a guy who's never been in the postseason. And let's be honest, you're going to get in the postseason, okay? And you're going to put him on that stage under those bright lights with this big franchise. But just kind of the expectations for this team. With these additions, you got people out there saying this team is going to win multiple World Series titles. And, hey, when's the parade? And let's fit these rings. But you know better than anyone else that it starts in spring training. It starts during the regular season. As talented as you are, talk about the challenge challenges that come with developing chemistry with a new group. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent, you know, it, you can't look that far ahead. Um, the baseball is such a weird sport where, you know, I've said it time and time again, the, the team, the best team in the regular season, most of the time doesn't win the world series. It's really hard to win a world series and, um, a lot has to go right. Um, I, I truly believe, um, you know, the team that gets hot at the end of the year typically is there in the World Series. Um, and, you know, so we understand it's a challenge and um, we're not looking ahead by any means. Um, you know, we'll take it day by day. And, uh, you know, just like every other year, um, it starts in spring training, like you said, and we'll be ready to go. And when you look at preparation, your offseason routine, we've seen a lot of videos of Shohei Otani at Dodger Stadium putting in work. One, have you interacted with Otani yet? And if not, what have you heard about him from your teammates? Just kind of the fire he brings in, the work he's putting in this offseason. Yeah, I've seen him. So I've been working out at the stadium off and on, and I see Shohei there quite a bit. Um, you know, his work ethic is second to none. Uh, he's super... Um, What's the best way to describe it? He's super meticulous with everything he does. And, um, you know, I don't think I've seen someone take so long in between each and every rep because he puts that much focus into it. Whether he's doing dry swings in the cage or sprint work out on the field, he's literally creating a game situation. Um, you know, he'll have 20 dry swings in the cage and it's going to take him 20 minutes because he's going to take a minute in between every swing to visualize the situation and he's going to step out, take his breaths. It's, it's pretty special to watch. Um, and I think that's why he's as good as he is. And you guys have had no shortage of teammates that have elite work ethics from Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, JD Martinez, yourself. I mean, the list goes on and on. You guys have always put in the work, but to see Shohei Otani do it, I'm sure it probably adds your hype level heading into the season, but also are you a little upset too? You don't have the most famous dog on the team anymore. It's Charlotte. Charlotte's not the most famous dog, right? You got decoy, his dog out there. You guys ever talk about your dogs? No, we haven't yet. Um, you know, I think he's, like I said, he's, when he's there, he's focused and he's, he's like all business. Um, so we haven't really got into to that stuff yet, but um, you know, hopefully during the season we'll have, a little more time away from baseball, maybe some team dinners and we can, uh, you know, talk about our dogs a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's going to be electric with you guys this year. Now, Chris, as far as you're on this team, last couple of seasons, you played mostly in left 2021. We saw you play mostly in center field. The Dodgers, they go out there. They re-signed Jason Hayward, traded for Manuel Margot. You you signed Teoscar Hernandez, Silver Slugger winner. You got James Altman back. Talk a little bit about the outfield picture right now heading into this season and kind of how you see your role. Yeah, um, you know, we we obviously have a lot of a lot of guys on all positions. Um, it's really and this isn't anything new for me. I think it's really hard to predict exactly where I'll be. You know, I think um, 
so much of it has to do with who's available, who's playing well. Um, you know, my thing has always been I can kind of play all over. So um, if somebody goes down with an injury, I'm able to fill in that spot. Um, and then, yeah, just like whatever's best for the team, um, who, who's playing well, who's slumping a little bit, you know, I, I can fill in there. But, um, yeah, it, there's really no predicting. I, I think this year when you look at it now, um, I'm not sure where I'll, what position I'll be at. Um, and time will tell, I guess. Yeah. And that's why you're such a special, unique player. Cause you can plug you in pretty much everywhere outside of pitcher and catcher, right. And play along the diamond in the infield and the outfield. But does that kind of excite you heading into this season, knowing that, okay, it's kind of up in the air as far as probably season more infield time, maybe some time to the outfield, but you're going to get your opportunities. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the advantage of being able to play all over. And I'm thankful that, you know, I was kind of forced to step into that role when I got traded to the Dodgers. Um, you know, I was always very stubborn to be a shortstop and a shortstop only. And, you know, with Corey Seager there, that wasn't really an option. So I, it kind of forced my hand to learn how to play outfield and play all over the field. And, um, you know, I think that's been the best thing for my career. And um, it's really you know, kept me on the field um, each and every year. Yeah. And I remember you told me once that to play shortstop, it's tough when you're not playing it every single day. Does it change your preparation level heading into this season with playing infield and outfield this upcoming year? No, I'm doing the same stuff. I'm still taking ground balls when I'm at the field and we can get on, on the dirt. Um, you know, once spring training rolls around, I'll, I'll shag BP in the outfield um, take fly balls live off the bat. So I, I don't think anything really changes. I still got to be prepared to play anywhere. Yeah. And then last year heading into spring training, you talked about your mechanics and how they didn't feel right. And you kind of felt better as they went along. Now, is there anything different about your approach in spring training this year, as far as getting those mechanics where you want them at the beginning of the season this year? Uh, I always tinker with my mechanics a lot. You know, it's, I know that it's very important for me to, to get that right in order for me to have success. And, you know, I, I feel really good where I am right now. Um, I've been working hard with our hitting coaches all off season and um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident going into spring training. It's just like anything else. It's never a finished product. You know, it's constantly um, changing and adjusting. Um, but right now my swing feels good. Yeah. And as far as the shortstop position, I mean, last year you played 31 games at shortstop parts of 31 games this year. You've got Gavin Lux returning after missing the entire 2023 season. Now Lux is someone you know the organization fully believes in, but I want to hear from you just kind of what did you see from Gavin Lux during his rehab process last year? And how confident are you in him that he can take over that position long-term? I didn't see a whole lot of him during his rehab. You know, he wasn't at the stadium too much, but I've seen him this off season at Dodger stadium. Um, I know he's working hard. Uh, he's out there taking ground balls with us and hitting on the field and he looks good. I, I'm fully confident he'll be ready to go um, come opening day and probably even before that in spring training, I think he's, he'll be good to go. And when it comes to adjusting to playing short now in this new year, I want to get your opinion on this one. How did the restriction of the shift kind of impact playing that position last season? I think the shift um, I, I, I think the shift kind of took away 
the need to read balls off the bat and, um, you know, try to get that extra step, that extra jump um, to improve your range. I think now that we've gone back to no shift, it's a little more important to, you know, be locked in and, you know, you need to have that extra step or two, be a little quicker. Um, and you got to think a little bit more, which I like. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit more instinctual as opposed to before, you know, you had guys kind of overlapping. Um, when everybody's on the left side, you don't really need to cover quite as much ground. So I kind of like it the way it is. Um, I, I think it goes back to the way we grew up playing, and uh, I think it's more fun that way. Yeah, it makes guys like you that are already extremely valuable that much more valuable. They can get it done at that position. Yeah, Miguel Rojas playing at that position at a top five level defensively. So, yeah, I just want to hear about that because people are complaining about their shortstops with the restriction shift, but the Dodgers, they had a good last season. Now, as far as the postseason goes, Chris, of course, you guys were dominant offensively in the regular season. First LA Dodger team to score more than 900 runs. Wasn't the case in the postseason, of course, you guys fell short of your ultimate goal. But one thing I always want to ask you, Chris, is when the postseason rolls around, you just take your game to a whole nother level, right? I mean, the Oc Taylor, the wild card walk-off in 2021, the three home run game. Do you buy into the idea that it takes a certain player to get it done in the postseason as far as just overall mindset? It's That's a really hard question. Um, I think a little bit, you know, I think so much of it is, is uh who's hot at the right time you know how you're feeling um and yeah i've had post seasons where i was really good and i've had post seasons where i've not been so good and um it, it just you know you constantly go through peaks and valleys throughout the course of the season and i think the most important thing is you find that peak at the end of the year and you can't you can't plan on that it just kind of happens um but i do think there is you know, there is a, an advantage to guys that have a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a chip on their shoulder at the end of the year and kind of, um, you know, maybe locking it in just a little bit more, um, I think. And I, I don't think there's one type of player that does that. You know, some guys can be super relaxed and be that way, and other guys might be a little more tense and high-strung, and they can be that way too. So it's it's hard to pick. You know, like that's the guy that's going to be good in the postseason. But, you know, there there are certain players that have a history of stepping up um, when the moment's bigger. Yeah, what's wild about that, Chris, is you were eight for your last 72 before you hit that walk off against Rays in the wild card. And then you just lost your mind. You went on a heater for the rest of that postseason. So it feels like it just had to click at the right time. But is there anything you can do during the regular season almost as a team, as a player to just make sure that you're peaking at the right time? Or is it just kind of baseball is going to baseball and you got to hope that you're feeling good when October comes around? Yeah, well, I wish we had that answer. You yeah. know, it's hard. It's um you try to play the regular season like a playoff game as much as you can. And it's easier said than done. Of course, um, you know, the game in September, a meaningless game in September, it's not going to be quite the same energy level, but um, yeah, we've always just, um, you know, tried to keep that intensity throughout the, the year. And uh, um, I don't know the last two years, you know, we had, we did have that layoff, and, um, you know, we didn't have good rounds right after that. And I don't know what the answer is. 
I don't know if that's why, or, you know, sometimes you just run into a hot team. Um, but yeah, that's something we're going to have to figure out. Yeah, 100%. Look, like you said earlier, I mean, baseball is the toughest sport to predict, right? It's, it's like the NCAA tournament when your Virginia Cavaliers won the NCAA tournament in 2019. You just got to hope you're hot at the right time. Now, as far as the attention that this team is going to get, you guys are already a big team, a marquee team, but you're going to be rock stars, right? I mean, with Otani, Yamamoto, all the star power. Now, I want to ask you about your manager, Dave Roberts, because he's been your skipper through this entire journey. Why do you think he's the perfect manager to manage this group of guys? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. He knows how to deal with teams that have more than nine everyday players. Um, he knows how to manage that and, um, you know, keep guys happy and, you know, guys that are used to playing every single day that come to us. And that's not always the case. Um, it's, it can be a tricky situation to deal with that because everybody's everybody wants to be out there every, every day. And, um, you know, so it's um, not an easy job he has. And uh, I think he does a pretty good job of that. Yeah. And for people that don't know, if you could just kind of take us inside that clubhouse a little bit and describe Doc's style and just kind of what makes him a great manager. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he's pretty laid back and uh, you know, he, he's, um, you know, Always, every day, he tries to say hello to every single person on the team. Um, when he comes into the field, uh, he he makes sure he's present. He makes sure um, he's reaching out to every single guy. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's um, important um, to have that communication each and every day. And, uh, you know, we, we all have, um, you know, a mutual respect in the clubhouse. Absolutely. So switch gears a little bit. So last time we had you in here, we had a rapid round. Now I'm going to ask you how well you know your own career. It's Chris Taylor has never gotten any question wrong in his entire life. Some numbers. We'll see you hit your first home run off of you. Ready, Chris? Yeah, I don't think I'm very good at this game. You can pull up your baseball reference page if you want, <laughs> you know, go a little, little cheat sheet there, but uh, okay. First career hit. It took place on July 24th. 2014 against the Baltimore Orioles. Who was the pitcher on the mound? It's, um, see, I should know this. Is it Chen? You got it. There you go. There you go. There you go. You what's got it. First, Bottom of the fifth, first? two, two count, single to center. Your first career hit way in Chen. Way in Chen. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Your first career home run, July 15, 2016. You hit your first career home run. It was a grand slam against the Diamondbacks. Do you remember the pitcher, Chris? Sylvine Bracho. Boom. And there's another one. There's yeah, another one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Your three home run game against the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS in 2021. Do you remember the three pitchers? Freed. Um, Martin. And... Lee killing it, man. What are you talking about? I mean, seriously. Okay. So you hit your hundredth home run last season, by the way, of course, you're the only player in major league history to have a grand slam in your first home run and your 100th home run. Who was the pitcher? They hit that grand slam off of Chris. I'm so bad at names. Um, you're batting a thousand this game. I don't know you notice I'm only saying last names. 
Is it Reyes? Close. Uh, this starts with Ray. Reynaldo Lopez. It was Lopez, Reynaldo Lopez. Yeah, you Lopez. hit the grand slam, but bonus one. Do you know how many career home runs you have? Uh, I mean, I know I, that. I know that was a hundred. Probably that was probably around ten. I don't know, like it's probably around one hundred five. Oh, we went off 104, 104, 104. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate it. By the way, for everyone out there, it's a great cause. Manhattan Beach Pier, February 4, 10 a.m. The event presented by Chris Taylor, Mary Taylor, hosting their first annual Polar Plunge, benefiting a CT3 foundation. For more information, go to Chris's Instagram, go on the bio, get the link, be there. I'm going to be there. We're going to be covering this event. It's a great event for a great cause. Chris, we thank you for so much, not just what you do as a player, but for everything you do for the Dodgers and this community. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Right, thanks a lot, Chris. All right, have a good one. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Bring them home. 